When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are the real Brady Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Brady Bros. Bros. Robertson, welcome to this week's edition of TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will pay tribute to Norman Lear. In our second hour, Norman Lear, creator of All in the Family, Maude, The Jeffersons, and many, many other shows that changed the face of television in the 1970s, elevating the form and paving the way for the kind of sophisticated storytelling and characterization that has shaped much of television over the past 50 years. In case you missed the news, Norman Lear passed away Tuesday, December 5th at the age of 101. You may recall that last year, on the occasion of his 100th birthday, Norman Lear released a book co-authored by our friend Jim Colucci that took a close look at 50 episodes of All in the Family that, in the opinion of Norman Lear, exemplify why All in the Family remains as funny and as relevant today as it did when it originally premiered in January 1971. We spoke to Jim Colucci last year as part of our celebration of Norman Lear's 100th birthday. We will replay that conversation in our second hour. If you'll stay tuned for that coming up later on this hour, we will welcome back our friend James DeMont. James DeMont, one of the stars of Candy Cane Lane, new Christmas movie starring Eddie Murphy and Tracy Ellis Ross. That is the most watched movie on Amazon Prime as of the date we recorded this week's program, Friday, December 8th. James DeMont also has several other interesting projects in the works. We'll tell you about that and more when James DeMont joins us later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. As well, in the meantime, we'll open up our first hour by playing part three of our conversation with Chuck Harder about the Monkees television series. Chuck Harder, music historian, author of many books on popular culture, also the writer of the excellent, acclaimed uh, Disney Channel documentary, Hey, Hey, Where the Monkeys, which originally premiered in 2000, but is available on home video one way or another. Chuck interviewed all four monkeys for the documentary as well as everybody who was somebody behind the monkeys phenomenon chuck revisited the monkeys series in its entirety not too long ago calendar year 2023 marks the 55th anniversary of the second and final season of the monkeys television series with that in mind chuck and i have been taking a look at how the monkeys tv series still holds up today both part one and part two of our conversation with chuck are available for listening on demand for free on the tv confidential podcast we spent most of part one talking about the first season of the monkeys 
The first season, of course, was the year it won the Emmy Award for Best Comedy Series of 1966. Part two of our conversation talked about how the first season of The Monkees is more consistent in quality and far more conventional in many ways than the second season and how the success of The Monkees' record albums and The Monkees' national and international tours of 1967 changed the way The Monkees themselves approached the series in ways not always for the better. As we pick up the conversation. So on the whole, second season holds up, but as it gets even further into it, suddenly we start to get some really weird, interesting episodes. There's one called Fairy Tale, where it's totally expressionistic, mm-hmm. minimalistic sets where Mike is in drag as a princess, and it's sort of a whimsical um, Goldilocks yeah. uh, type level thing. Very good, very strange, but different. Where if you were to take, say, a Munster series, it's more or less the same show throughout. But this one is a, uh, a different sort of approach. So that's a different type of show. And then you can take something like The Christmas Show, which is more or less a conventional plot in which Butch Patrick plays a spoiled little rich boy that is cynical about Christmas and they sort of show him what the Christmas spirit is all about. And it's a very touching episode and uh, is really good and sincere. And that is in the middle of the second season where the weirdness is going on. So they still could pull off a solid sitcom episode with heart and soul along with the weird one. At the end of the Christmas show, they sing a cappella without instruments, beautifully, um, a, a Spanish traditional Christmas song called Ryu Chiu. And again, it's beautiful, but it's sort of like, oh, we can't really sing and play, huh? Look at this. And they did. And so um, the episodes continue. Uh, there's still some interesting guest stars. A guy named Monty Landis shows up yes. in a lot of the second season. Including The Devil with Peter Tork. Right, and which I'll get to in a moment. And and he, he's a very broad character actor, but he's quite good. And he seems to spark them a bit. And in those, I think he did about five or six. And in those, he seems to, they are a little more involved than normal. Mm-hmm. Because there's some episodes... I can't remember the name of it, uh, where they're on an island. Uh, it doesn't matter, but they're, they, they end up on an island. It has nothing to do with them being a rock band trying to make it. Is that the one that Nesmith didn't do? No, he didn't do a few. And he, did, it, he didn't do the one with the pirates. No, uh, but the one on the island is just dumb. Yeah. And, and you can clearly tell, oh, they're professional. They read their lines, you know, and again, not throughout. But you can see little pockets where maybe it was late in the day. and All right, chief, what are we going to do? You know, or that kind of thing. Isn't this dumb? And you can see it. And they're bored. And I don't think Rafelson and Snyder in The Powers That Be thought, let's start to tailor the episodes more to who they are now. It's still a business. It's still a network. It's still the normal way of doing things. And I don't know if they could have done that. Uh, There's few examples where they try, but we better stick to the more conventional things to keep it rolling. There's a great late episode called The Devil and Peter Tork, beautifully acted by all of them. 
you know, especially Torque and Nesmith. Monty Landis is in it, where Torque sells his soul to play the harp. And again, a little of it's silly, but all of a sudden, bang, it's back on track. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's even a bit, you know, heart tugging, meaning they could still do it. They all look good. They all could still act. So it's funny that they kept going, but in a different way, but in the same way. I, I think the first season is way more consistent throughout. The second season isn't, but it has some adventurous leaps that make it, for, I guess, for some more interesting. Because for them, the people who think the second season is the better one is, okay, it's weird, it's strange. It, it Maybe the level of the strangeness of some of the shows matches the more advancements of their music. So again, when the new songs are with the romps and the weird ones, okay, that makes more sense. I don't know. I don't know. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. The FBI Dossier, a guide to the classic TV series produced by Quinn Martin and starring Ephraim Zemlis Jr. The FBI Dossier, now available at blackpawnpress.com, amazon.com, and edrobertson.com. One more item. Save the dates. Join Coda Life and Well Time as they kick off the new year with their amazing Radiance Retreat. 2024, January 19th through January 21st in the beautiful beach town of Malibu, California. Radiance Retreat 2024 is a weekend of wellness, healing, and stillness that will help you reclaim your vibrancy, your power, and call back your energy. For more information, follow Coda Life Goddess on Instagram. That's C-O-T-A, Coda Life Goddess on Instagram, Coda Life on Facebook, or visit CodaLife.com. Hi, this is John Barber, and you're listening to TV Confidential. A couple of things. We're talking about some of the guest stars. Julie Newmar, when she visited our program some years ago, once we got past the Batman stage of the conversation, once we got past the, she had just released a book, once we got past the what is your book about phase of the conversation. And this is always a crapshoot because when you ask someone, uh, about a guest shop they did 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's like asking them what they had for lunch that day. So, uh, and I picked ones that I thought, you know, she might remember or that at least left an impression on me. And I remember, and she did, and she did this on the air. It's one of my favorite moments of the show. Uh, I, I asked her, do you remember the Columbo you did, you had a couple of things with Peter Falk, and she started answering that, and she said, I would really like it if you asked me about the monkeys, because I really enjoyed working with them. Yeah. And she got, and she talked for about, you know, five minutes about that. Chuck's documentary, Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys, uh, originally aired on the Disney Channel, had a companion book. And there are a lot of behind-the-scenes photos, both of the music and the concert, and one of the photos, if I remember correctly, it was a production still of a second-year show with Lou Antonio. It was a stock plot of a 60s-type sitcom because Beverly Hillbillies was still very, yeah, very yeah. popular at the <clears throat> time. So pretty much every Screen Gems episode, you know, regardless of the format, had a quote-unquote Hillbilly episode. I had just spoken to Lou at the time you and I did the show we did on the movies, and uh, you were kind enough to send me a copy of the companion book, and I I took a photo 
of the photo with my phone, and I sent it to Lou. Lou had forgotten that he had done that show. So, <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true because you know, thirty years ago, you worked one day, and with him, he at that point, Lou was beginning to split his time between directing and acting. So you never know. But at least for some actors, doing the monkeys was a well. Fun I, I'm sure that's true, and you got to figure Rosemary was older, more traditional show business. They're not. And the second show she's in is kind of silly. So maybe that was it. The Julie Newmar episode, she was very hot in those days. And they're all well into acting with her. You can kind of see this is a little more than directing to hug Julie and dance with her or whatever. So, yeah, they were into it. Plus, it was another show that had Girl I Knew Somewhere in it. Yeah, well, yeah, you you like that song. Which is one of of my favorite monkey songs, yes. Apparently. So... uh, (laughs) Uh, so yeah, and it's funny as the second season, you know, gets kind of near the end, uh, again, there's some different things. There's a, there's a very interesting episode and seeing it again, I, I, I remembered it as better than it actually was, but it still was very good. The monkeys in Paris and in any, uh, season of a television series, they usually had what they called a bottle show mm-hmm. in which to keep the budget nice they would shoot to one keep the cheap. budget to, to keep the show under budget right they'd shoot a cheap one to kind of cover uh, over expenditures everybody's on pretty much on one set well yeah in this case it was one city because the show was the monkeys in paris and again directed by rafelson and he went over there with 16 millimeter cameras to Paris and just sort of turned him loose and just said, do funny stuff. There's not a plot, really. The plot is girls are chasing the monkeys, yeah. you know, big deal. Um, and they sort of do some funny stuff. Some Some's funny, some isn't. But they got 26 minutes out of it. Did uh, You're going to correct me. After, was Love is Only Sleeping, was that part of the soundtrack of that episode? I think my, it was, yeah. yeah. And And so, you know, again, attempt to do something different. And uh, but to go on location and shoot, it's all shot silent, mm-hmm. so you know there's no audio, so that's fine. And that had about seven songs in it because the songs are the audio for that episode. But I saw it again, and uh, Rafelson did the uh, the uh, commentary, and he kind of put it down and said it was dumb and bad directing. He was way too harsh on himself. Uh, but it, at least it's an attempt at something different. Yeah. So if you're watching the monkeys that that week, you saw something different. Then in the last couple of episodes, at least three of them at the end, uh, at the beginning of the episode were allowed or in the episode were allowed to have a musical guest. So Davy Jones is sitting with a songwriter named Charlie Smalls who wrote The Wiz and they sort of play a little bit and, you know, do a bit of singing and stuff. Then Nesmith has Frank Zappa on playing each other, and they do a little funny thing. And then he has Frank whip a car with a chain or something, and whatever. <laughs> and then Mickey on the Frotoscaper, the very last show. Which he also directed. Which he directed, uh, brings in a folk singer named Tim Buckley. Now, I think Torque wanted to do it, but he wanted Pete Seeger on. And Pete Seeger was a uh, uh, an older, very liberal folk musician who... Many of the television networks and older establishment thought was a communist. Yeah. So there was no way they were going to let this commie 
on, which is a shame because it would have been really would have good. Been great, yeah. But that's the way it went. Next to last one, Monkeys Blow Their Minds. It had a little cameo of uh, Burgess Meredith as the uh, oh, that's right. he, he's, penguin. He sort of plays the penguin. Well, he sits there, and that's the one Zap is in. And then the very last one, Midja Kogio, which is Mickey's relative's name, the Frodus Caper, is filmed or directed by Mickey Dolenz. And he said later that Rafelson and Snyder liked him. He was a pro. He was a team player, unlike maybe another one and a half who were difficult. And, uh, okay, Mickey, well, let's have you direct one. You worked on Circus Boy for two years. You clearly know how it's done. And this will give you a reel to show if you want to move into direction later. And ironically, when Mickey went over to England in the early 70s, late 70s mid this frodus caper episode helped him get work in british television directing shows mm -hmm. so it helped and it in seeing it again and mickey did the voiceover and, and he's being embarrassed at some of the filming and again too hard on himself <laughs> but it's very strange it's weird rip taylor's in that isn't he? yeah but it it's just weird yeah. is this even funny well not really is it we it's just weird and uh you know thinking of the little teeny bopper fans looking at it those that you know were able to discern between oh it's them and and you know having a, an opinion it's almost too weird really strange it almost is like head before head yeah it's just good. it's just really <laughs> odd yeah okay but, uh, you know, there's a good song in it, and um, part of it's interesting, and, and the, the plot as it is, is about television is hypnotizing the audience to control their minds, which is, of course, true, and it's always been that way, now more than ever. Mm -hmm. So the show kind of rolls near to the end while they're filming them. And so what's going to happen? Is there going to be a third season? So there wasn't, and... I, I believe there were several reasons for this. One, the ratings of the television show had been dropping in the second season. Now, they were opposite Gunsmoke, which hurt. But I wonder, in retrospect, if some of the weirdness that was happening maybe brought the numbers down a little bit. I don't know. But, but partially it's a ratings thing. Partially... The inmates are, have now gone amok. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm thinking aloud here. This is fall of '67. Um, it's one year away from the Batman phenomenon, and Batman was already on was 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 already descending. Right. But because what made Batman different, besides the color and the onomatopoeia, was camp. Right. And imitation is the highest form of flattery. The other two competitive networks, NBC and CBS, were trying to emulate a campy slash superhero comic booky type of style to some of their shows. And uh, um, the one I'm thinking particularly was the Monkees' lead out during the second year, Man from Uncle. And right. um, fans and critics of that show point to the change in approach to a more campy comic booky approach uh for that last year is one of the reasons that sank that show and so you have you've got the monkeys at seven thirty, 
Sometimes it's uh, kind of traditional. Sometimes it's really far out. You never know what you're going to get. And then you've got a change of concept at 8 o'clock that isn't working. If you don't understand what you're watching or if your parents uh, control the television that night, you're going to watch Gunsmoke. No, absolutely. So, and I'm sure that was a part of it as well. But there's problems. And also, when the second show's filming ends, they're still having hit records. Mm -hmm. They're still in demand as a live act. They are a legitimate pop rock and roll group superstars so do we want to do this dumb show anymore and uh now i've heard various opinions from the various monkeys they said we're not going to do a third season if we do the same sitcom types things or we won't do it again the inmates are telling uh pinocchio's telling geppetto no or well, we'll do a third season if it's a variety show and we bring on other acts and we do live performances and skits. Which kind of, sort of, was the format for the one and only special they did like a six months Yeah, or we'll get later. to that. You know, not a laugh-in thing per se, but again, the four actors in a television series are telling NBC and the main producers... We're not going to do it unless you do it our way. What? And I, and I hate to say this because I'm a huge fan, and I again, I don't discourage anybody from watching any monkey show. It's, they're all good in their way. They really are. But their egos were out of control, and it was kind of like an either-or situation. If you don't, we don't. There was also, I heard this, um, they wanted a combination half-hour sitcom and the second half of an hour third season to be the variety show. And NBC was not going to go for a half-hour show expanding to an hour when the ratings are low, yeah. slight unprofessional behavior on the set. They, they, they're, they're overplaying their hand. They're well overplaying their hand. And that, unfortunately, was the egos, and that was also no central manager yeah. who would have negotiated for them or whatever. Plus, they're all fried potatoes by that point. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and just, blah, yeah. you know, they've been on a, a roller coaster mm -hmm. for two or three years. Chuck Carter wrote the acclaimed documentary Hey Hey with the Monkees, which originally premiered on the Disney Channel in 2000 and is available for home entertainment viewing one way or another. Chuck and I are taking a look at the Monkees television series 55 years after it ended its run on NBC. We'll talk some more, Chuck. We come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain. 
at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.